home slice. It says it's live. You, you know what? Is it? Because most of the time, these are our best uh, parts of the show. Most people tune in and then hang up on now. <laughs> like, what do they these do. guys want? <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I think we're live. Bonjour, well, we have no. some other. We have some other thing on here. Well, why don't you go ahead? Let's. Uh, so, guys, oh. we're reformatting a little bit. Chris and Andy, and now we have Nick helping us out. Um, Nick is uh, via uh, Italy. What what town are you actually uh, broadcasting from? Two p.m. Six hours ahead because you guys just had uh, daylight savings time. Yep. But um, yeah, I'm here from Italy, hoping to bring you guys into kind of the new generation, the twenty. First century can help out with the little travel perspective. Chris, and, Chris wanted uh, me to ask you if you my podcast experience. What was that, Andy? I'm actually by Fico. Am I by a spaghetti factory? <laughs> yeah, I, you know, you got two portly gentlemen here that are hungry all the time. And we're just, you were just eating bacon, Chris. <laughs> so, we do have breakfast here in America. So, well, anyways, I actually am located in the, the foodie capital of Italy, Bologna. It's nicknamed the fat one, the best pasta, tortellini, lasagna. So, there's a lot of good food. That's awesome. Wow. All right. Let's get started on this bad boy. Are we, Andy, are we losing? What's happening in the market? Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Let's um just jump ahead here a little bit. Sorry, guys, we're remote connecting here, so it's a little titch of a delay. Yeah. Well, let's, yeah, let's hit on the market. Um, obviously, the whole market is uh, still going um, gangbusters. Um, just had another crazy wild uh, weekend getting ready for another one uh, when it comes to uh, new listings. And what do you think, Andy? I mean, it's not yeah. all prices that are completely crazy, uh, but um, I think anything under 500 has been pretty wild. It, bananas is a very accurate word. Um, you know, we've had um, on Friday of last week, my brokerage We've got, uh, I don't remember, 400 and some uh, agents on our, on our brokerage. We listed 750 houses in our, in our office alone on Friday. So Good. it was unbelievable. I mean, it's like people are listing two and three houses at a time right now. So the spring market for sure has launched. Um, and a lot of that, you know, what's crazy is, I mean, um, you know, and, and every, every city is different, but Minnesota really reacts to this uh, sunshine stuff and uh the melting snow and all of a sudden the second you can get that bike out or go for a, a walk with the dog it seems like it launches um spring fever and then uh the markets take off and people get excited about their projects in the spring and and i think we're a couple weeks ahead i know road restrictions went on this year almost a month uh well it's three weeks probably three weeks earlier than we anticipated so that means the weather is warm the ground's thawing and uh spring's on its way for sure do you think it also has a little to do um, with people trying to get their house on and try to take advantage of this market? If they've been selling, and the other thing that happened with the little warm weather, they were able to get some of their stuff done outside that they weren't able to get done before. Uh, we've got, we had people scrambling, 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 and then all of a sudden they got dropped with snow. Um, and so it kind of gave them a little, a little respite to be able to do it again. So we've got quite a few um, coming up here in the next uh, week or two. But um, I think a lot of people, I mean, I've been experienced, people are just like, well, if, hey, if we're gonna do it, they've moved up their timeline. I mean, it was gonna be May, June, and now it's, uh, let's get it on as quick as we can to try to take advantage of this hot market. Yeah, no, for sure. There, there's no doubt, Chris, there's, um, what I really like about being in real estate right now is that people aren't 
in this la la land. They actually get it. They they understand what they're doing. People educate themselves. You know, they they uh, dip into resources like agents and you know uh, you know you get into uh, where you've got the uh, you know concepts of staging and and you know merchandising, and they they're bringing that to the forefront. They get it. The the more effort they put usually into that house, the more they get. But you know, Chris, not everybody is selling right now. And I think that was one of the topics, you know, Nick and I were going to, and, and you were going to talk about today is kind of getting into maximizing our space that we have. So if we're not selling and we're going to stay put, you know, what can you do um, to kind of, you know, fit into that, that box? Yeah. I think spacing is very interesting, especially being in Europe. Am I still uh, delayed? You're good. Perfect. Because in Europe, everything's a lot more smaller, but they utilize their space really nice. Like, I mean, you should see my bathroom. You got the little shower in there, the toilet, the biped, but they, they space it out nicely where, you know, before I moved to Copenhagen first, I had no idea that a bathroom, you could function like that. Because in America, the bathrooms are huge. Everything's big. And uh, it's just different over here. So I have this article I found about how to really maximize your, your space to make the most out of it. I think it'd be quite interesting. Cool. Let's check it out. Yeah. Well, it, I don't know, Andy, you and I talk about that a lot. You talk about repurposing spaces uh, and how you guys do it. And then you actually are, are part of the design uh, crowd at, with the new construction to try to, you know, I mean, the thing is, is with lumber prices and everything kind of rising, you have to be able to maximize your spaces because if you if you don't, you're you're just paying a lot of money for things that you aren't really using. Oh, and that is for sure. Yeah, you know, you get into these um, you know situations where every square foot, if you're paying, you know, 175 bucks a square foot for a two story or 220 bucks a square foot for a Rambler, um, you don't have the luxury of wasting any space. And so I've got people, like you're saying here, um, looking at everything from multi-purpose rooms, you know, we'll call them a flex room. That's a fun way to say it, where, you know, it may be the formal dining room on the holidays, maybe the office during the week or the kids gaming room or the playroom. And, and uh, we're seeing a lot of that where there's just un, you know, specified rooms, you know, that can do multiple things for a family. Yeah, I think it's interesting, too, on this little article where it's talking about you know, even things like mounting your TV where there used to be, you know, the big entertainment centers, you know, you can really kind of create a room um, a lot easier now with uh, by, by mounting a, a, a TV. And a lot of times in staging, people don't even use TVs, uh, you know, to kind of um, not expose themselves of maybe that room not being as useful, but they're trying to get it as big as possible. And that's the same thing with like that exposed leg furniture. You know, it's just not big and bulky and you can kind of see the whole floor going under it. And the yeah. more you can have a floor under it, the bigger it looks. You know, what's funny, Chris, is the, uh, Nick, the, when, when I, you got these brand new houses and we pay all this money to put the wood floors through like a family room, right? And so that, that's a, this is a perfect example of the furniture you'd, you know, buy so that you can literally see that wood floor going underneath and appreciate it, right? And then we stage these houses and every stager we have wants to throw a rug on the wood floor and put, you know, and I don't know if it's for coziness or, or adding color or what the, the real, you know, uh, advantage is there, but I, I'm always like, are you sure you need that? You know? Yeah. So I'm always yeah. pulling rugs. I, I'm always fighting the staging material too, Andy. Always. I'm always trying to make it as bigger, less and bigger, uh, as big as I can. And yeah. uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't work out. Uh, we kind of go against each other on that kind of stuff. Well, you know, and remember, they're coming from a different perspective. They're trying right. to make that house, um, you know, follow trend and, and kind of, you know, make people feel like, oh, wow, that's cool. And you and I are like, uh, I want to show off the wood floors because they paid three grand to do this room and, you know, or whatever. So, yeah, I think it also, I think it's kind of interesting um, when uh, you're staging is that I think sometimes the staging competes with the house and, and, and people have a hard time looking past that because they're kind of like, I mean, I've had houses like this that we go in and all of a sudden they, uh, they're like, well, geez, this house is great, but it's probably great because of all this furniture and we really can't afford this furniture. 
you know, and our, our market, unlike like a Florida market, um, yep. doesn't usually include any of that type of personal property. Everyone's keeping their own. And especially in a mark in a time like this, I mean, trying to get new furniture or trying to even get a, a darn appliance, you know, it's, it's just, uh, it, it's crazy. You can't get it. Yeah. Well, that, you no kidding. I, we were, uh, our new construction world that, uh, is, it consumes more than half of my day sometimes, um, appliances like right now, we, we have to order those things eight to 10 weeks in advance just to even have a shot at, um, you know, getting stuff in stock, let alone getting the right, you know, item. And, you know, and, and it's, you know, one of the things that I think that kind of going back to getting away from the new construction, because I could talk all day on that, getting back to this, this article here and, and some of the simple things that can make your spaces feel bigger. So if you're remodeling an existing home, you know, you look at like, like here's in a, a number 11 here that use over the toilet space and, and in the bathroom, you know, kind of doing that Italian style efficiency, right? And maybe utilizing some more space and, and maximizing. This was kind of the way guys, remember back in the, well, Chris, you probably remember because you were around when they were building them in the fifties um, when they had, uh, they, they, no, they were, I'm just teasing you. They'd build those bungalow style houses like all over Brooklyn Center, you know, Crystal, Golden Valley. And they, they'd have those very efficient bathrooms where they were, even some of the countertops were only 12 inches deep. So the door could clear and you know what I'm saying? So instead of being a six foot wide standard bathroom they were shrinking them down. And so we got away from that, you know? Yeah, well, yeah. And I, I tell you, you, I mean, lives, lives and economies have changed. And I think that changes with, um, uh, you know, hey, I've got extra money. So now you put extra stuff in. And then sometimes like, hey, you know, we, we don't really need that. And then that's like, hey, we have more kids, we have less kids. So there's a lot of um, differ, lot of differing, um, you know, uh, I don't know, market market changes really. Right. And right. Uh, and you can and you can see those, Andy, too. We can you can pick out that that Brooklyn Park, Brooklyn Center, mm -hmm. um, Rambler, uh, in that St. Louis Park uh, era in yep. the '50s. You know, when I was alive to watch those, supposedly. And uh, maybe it was my parents, though. It could have been probably. 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 Yeah, but probably was. Yeah. Hey, Nick, go back up to that. Yeah, let's talk about bedrooms. So, you know, you have some of these existing, let's say you're an existing house and, you, you know, you have that smaller, you know, very functional, but smaller um, bathroom or bedroom. And let's, Nick, if you don't mind, let's just roll back to those and kind of roll through those topics because, you know, you look at everything from, you know, uh, the kitchen here, let's go down. Yeah, let's go to the bathroom. Um, you know, utilizing the spaces, freeing up the floor space. You know, sometimes we get those, you know, I don't know where grandma even finds them, but they find those, you know, the, the box that sits on the floor that has all the towels in it, the, you know, the, whatever they call dampers or hampers or whatever they are, you know, um, add a mirror, right? See that number 13 is a good yeah. one. You know, getting that bathroom mirror, medicine cabinet. Oh. Well, what a, what a mirror does to Andy is it reflects, uh, you know, and how you use those mirrors and how it reflects, and it just obviously it makes the space feel bigger. Um, do you use a lot of pocket doors, Andy? Uh, you know what? I love them, but I hate the way they function. Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't like them. I, I, they're nice to not have the door in the way, but um, it, it's kind of they are. I think they're kind of more of a pain. They sure can be for sure. Yeah. The cool you know, thing I've noticed is um, we're jumping around there a little. Um, if if we pull back to that, you know, um, the other thing they were talking about in there is so pocket doors. Why would you put a pocket door in? You need you need twice the space of the door. So this is something when you guys are remodeling and you look at like let's say you want to put in a, a, a 30 inch pocket door, you have to have at least another 30 inches on the other side where that door can hide safely into that wall. So some people don't have that luxury of space. Um, so what we've seen, no joke, is even in hallways where it's tighter, they'll they'll do something like barn doors. You know, not necessarily in a bathroom, I've seen it, but I've seen it in offices. Even if it rolls over and covers a vanity for a couple minutes while the door's open, it rolls back and gives that, you know, that look that they're looking for. But, but yeah. pocket doors are fantastic when you can install them. Um, yeah. Door swings is another huge thing that I don't think a lot of people think about when they're remodeling. And, and you know, you get crazy questions like, well, which way should the door swing? And, you know, 
Chris, you and I have talked about that for years. You know, obviously you want to have a wall that that door can rest on. So if you pin it open, um, you know, it has a place to go to and, and look natural versus a door that opens into the room. And I trust me, I've seen them where they, oh, I remodeled the basement myself. And you're like, why do the bedroom doors open out? And they're like, well, because there's more, that gives more space in the bedroom. And you kind of scratch your head and you go, well, yeah, that, that's yeah. unique. That's custom. <laughs> yeah. Now, now we have to do a different marketing uh, piece on that one and, and try to do that. And that, and I, you tell, I'll tell you what, that's what we have to do as an agent. We get, we, we deal with what we have, you know, and, and once we, we have it, then we, we have to try to maximize that and make it look the best we possibly can. So when you have, um, a house that might not just might not be perfect you know we have to start coming up with stuff yeah so, yeah perfect so did we figure out how to maximize all of our spaces the the one topic we didn't touch on though that is one of my favorites and i don't want to carry on here because i'm always told to stay on topic but the garage yeah chris yeah. and i have talked about this is one of my favorite areas you know you go out there and you take a, a gross old garage and you power at the, you bring the flooring guys out there and they acid etch the bait and they fill in all the pock marks and then they epoxy it and put a real cool texture on the top. And, and within, you know, a week, you have a gorgeous garage floor that has color and you're not afraid to walk out there with your shoes off and, and getting the sheetrock repaired, um, taped up. And, and like I said, it depends on how you want to use your space, but man, um, that can be overflow family room. That can be the sit out in the garage and have all your, you know, your, your football NFL parties, right? And you sit out there and you, you spill your beer and you wash it down the sink, you know, or down the, the drain in the garage and nobody cares, you know? So it kind of like adds that element of, you know, you're kind of back in college, but you're still in a fancy house, you know? And, uh, but anyway. Total, total justification for a small space is, is, a, is a bigger garage. Go ahead, Nick. Did you do a nice little loft in there to store things? Did you do that in a property recently, Chris? Yeah, yeah, I, I did. We have uh, some high ceilings in a garage and actually made a huge loft up top uh, with a little like a attic ladder to go up to it. But I mean, it gets everything up and off the floor and you utilize that dead space that's up there. That's, that's a great idea, you know. And if, if you are, I know a lot of times when we're, we're not building new, um, but when you do build new, you can do what they call storage trusses above your garage. Doesn't mean you have to do a whole nother level. You just open it up and what they're doing is beefing up the base trusses. You know, let's say it's an extra, you know, $1,500. And now you have, you know, you do the drop ladder, you've got storage up there. It's, it's designed to handle the weight load because not all attic trusses, and I'll tell you this, I've seen trusses break um, in garages where they put so much crap up there, they snap the, the bottom of the truss. And not all garages are made to handle that. Most garages are, are engineered for a snow load. So if you're going to get into storage, make sure you, you talk to the engineers at the trust plant or your, your um, remodeler. All right, next top, the, the, the Rooney's rant. Let's see if we can get this to work here. Oh boy. That's me. I guess I that's me. That's I don't know. I think uh, I think old old Nick's Italian internet is uh, on quarantine or something because it's it, not it uh, the same size as their bathrooms. A little small. They, uh... <laughs> bad with the last. We, we don't need the, the bigger cable. We do the little cable. It'll be fine. <laughs> Uh, we're gonna have to get his uh, internet straightened out. He's not—he's uh, not making a lot of sense over there in Italy. Maybe that language has gotten to him. He, you know, he is actually—he's in—he's in quarantine right now. Italy oh, yeah. is uh, Italy's locked down. He's able to practice football and walk to the grocery store, but that's it. Wow. Yeah. So okay. So my rant—I uh, guess uh, we're we're doing new segments. I'll explain this since his uh, internet's a little bad, but uh, we're doing these little segments um, kind of uh, to keep the show moving, but then kind of move us into different topics. And, and mine is uh, Rooney's rant. And, uh, and that's just about uh, neighborhoods and, and figuring out 
um, what what neighborhoods are like, and we have we, we have rules uh, and uh, ethics things that we can't um, basically we can't tell you where to live or what kind of neighborhood in which to live in. Um, but I I think I probably get that question asked uh, ninety five percent of the time when people ask me about a neighborhood. Um, and we can talk about resale and, and things like that, but some tricks, and I think I, what I want to talk about is some tricks and how to figure out what that neighborhood is. Mm -hmm. And uh, here's one I always tell my sellers, um, that's, I mean, super important that what people are doing is when you go into a neighborhood, now after that person sees your house and they like it, now they start stalking the neighborhood. And then it's all of a sudden someone's walking a puppy and you know, they ask those people questions. And that's what you have to uh, remember and, uh, and watch out for. And not, don't let that um, like uh, play against what you're trying to market. So if you're saying that, uh, you know, this is a, you know, real quiet area and you're at the end of a cul-de-sac and, you know, but there's uh, two neighbors that have, uh, house bands and they play in the garage all the time, you know, that you might not be playing off of that uh, very, very well. But watch neighbors to me is a is a huge way in which to find out about a neighborhood because as a client or a buyer, you can ask anything you want. Us as an agent, we can't talk like that. Except maybe you, Andy, can you? No. You can't. Either. No, I learned a long time ago to keep my mouth zipped and ask them the questions. You know, I I tell you, it's a, uh, you, yeah, Chris, the thing that, you know, is always interesting to me is like something that we think is super important for somebody to know, or, uh, you know, this is, this is a major factor of this neighborhood that that consumer may not even care about. And so I always say, what are you looking for? What, what helps you guys have a better experience in your new house? You know, how do we make this work for you guys? And, um, and, and let me do some more research on a couple of topics. If I can help you, you know, make your decision a little easier. And, you know, it, it comes down to where it's really the consumer and, and their opinion. And like you said, you long after you and I drive off into the sunset after closing, that homeowner does have to go and live next to that neighbor. So the things like material facts that, you know, we, we put in disclosure statements, like what are some things that would, you know, um, disturb someone's normal use or enjoyment of this property? And, and God bless them. I, I just was showing houses. I had a guy that we were showing his property where he's on 10 acres. And the guy's a professional um, funny car driver. And he on his property put in a tar patch um, so he could warm up his tires and squeal his tires. And there's no zoning against it. So he sits there and he, there's several times, you know, in the summer during the evenings where he's tuning his cars up and just running that funny car. Whereas I'd probably get a kick out of that. But right. somebody else is sitting out on their deck watching the birds and all the birds fly away. When, when they rev up that big, you know, 1500 horsepower engine, right? Mm -hmm. And that's where, I don't know, I tell you that, that's where I think that, you know, like you said, observe, you know, come there a couple of times during the week, observe the neighborhood during rush hour, during when all the kids are getting off the bus, maybe, you know, and it's not stocking if you tell them that you're gonna do it, just say, hey, I wanna just sit down the street and observe the neighborhood during rush hour to see how many cars are gonna go by this house every night, you know, from five to seven or whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, other clues that are out there too, is that if you're trying to get into a neighborhood that has kids, um, you know, you start looking for, for bikes and trikes and, and toys and, yep. and swing sets. Um, swing sets is kind of a, a, a big telltale uh, sign, unless you're like Champlin, Andy still has his swing set, but that's for you, right? It was special ordered to fit me. So I, I, I think it's a waste to get rid of it. Yeah. <laughs> Totally. He's a big kid. He's a big, fun kid. Anyways, so. I get along um, just fine with my uh, little nephew that just moved in right next door. And yeah. and he and I, we like to talk about cars, um, candy, um, going fishing, catching frogs in the backyard. Yeah. You know, the other two, Andy, what, what do you think, what makes a good neighborhood? What, what, what would you say makes a great neighborhood? Well, you someone. know, what a I good resale, I guess. For re oh, for resale? Okay, yeah. that's, that's what I was going to ask in what context. Mm -hmm. um, you know, for resale, I do think that, you know, for, for a quick example, there, there are people that um, I've, I've watched that, I've, let's say I build a Rambler in a brand new neighborhood that's all two stories. And mom and dad come out, they look at the house, they want a house to retire in. Um, they don't want to necessarily go to all senior 
um, 55 plus, but they want a nice Rambler. But yet there's so many kids in the neighborhood, it makes them nervous, right? And all of a sudden they don't necessarily want to be around other children for safety reasons with cars and whatever else or the noise. So for them, for an example, um, that may not be necessarily a good fit. Now for resale value, it doesn't make a difference. You know, when you look at the numbers on paper, it's completely subjective to the person's individual opinions of what that house is. Um, but you know, again, Chris, the, one of the things that you really sell well is lifestyle. You guys, you sell lakefront properties. You're selling that. It's more than just a house. It's the pontoon rides in the evenings. It's fishing off the dock. It's going for a morning swim. You know what I'm saying? That Andy, that and that's what what that's doing is creating value to the house versus, you know what? Hey, this house is 132 dollars a square foot, and this one's 133. You got to get people off of that if you're ever going to get the most for your money. And so you got to because there's advantages to that. And we had a show a while back as as buying a house ever going to be like buying a car. You buy a car and you lose equity immediately, but you enjoy that car and you want that car, you know, and that's a house too. And, I, and I'm starting to see that now. And I think people are coming to that realization when it comes to multiple offers is that they're just saying, you know what, to me, it's worth it. Yeah. Maybe I am paying a little too much, but you know what, I'm going to be in a house by the end of April. I'm going to have this lower interest rates and I'm going to be able to enjoy the lake that this whole summer. If I don't do it, you know, and I don't get it until October and the rates go high and I missed a whole boating season, what's that worth? What's that worth to you? You know, and, and I think that's the way people are starting to uh, kind of talk. Well, you know, and I tell this to everybody that, you know, they're like, well, you know, I think we're paying $30,000 more than what the house is really worth. And I say, okay, so if you're paying cash, yep, you're right. You're overpaying by $30,000. I said, are you paying cash or are you obtaining financing? Yeah. And most people in today's market with rates the way they are, they're crazy. They're not paying cash. Even the people that can afford to are not because the rates are so low. And so what ends up happening is these guys are literally um, going to the point of where they're, they're financing because you live in the payment. And so time cures all overpaying problems. So if you overpaid by 30,000, you lived there for 20 years, it isn't going to matter. You know what yeah, I'm saying? Totally. Yeah, in the end. And you just had 20 summers of, being at the lake and what's that worth to you or living with that nice busy road in your front yard you got it am i still delayed <laughs> we can hear you let's see this one Play. <laughs> what am I? A psychotic person? <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna find out. Let's see. No, we're experiencing this for the first time as well. Oh man. So <laughs> apparently, you think I'm a wild and crazy old lady. I, I'm cool with that. Um, that's cool. Um, hey. I, I well, here, here's the thing. I mean, if you people that have been listening and uh, if you've been around Andy like I have for about 12 years, uh, you know that he's got a bunch of analogies and he's and, and he never like has the same one. He's always got something new. And so whether whether he's fishing or he's shopping or he's um, whatever, he's got he's got an analogy for it. So that's this segment leads us into the next one. Let's hear it. What? You know, I was going to say, so my, my, um, right now, I was going to try to take a look at for my little, you know, part of the show. I wanted to talk about um, getting offers on properties because I'll be honest with you, right now, anybody can sell a house. That, that's, not, that's not what we're getting paid for, just so you know. So a lot of real estate agents, you know, you're interviewing your agents and, and what I, I take a different approach to it. I always say, listen, whatever standard pay is for real estate. Um, I want you to take and tell every real estate agent you interview, there's going to be three interviews and I'm going to pay you 6%. What are you going to do for that 6%? What sale price do you think you can get with that marketing for that 6%? So what value do you actually experience by hiring that agent? And the thing is, is that most people go about it the wrong way. First thing they do is try to cut the agent's pay and say, well, I'm only paying 3%. Well, great. So you just hired somebody that you're not paying anything to. So what kind of service are you going to get? You know, so it's kind of like that. You know, um, 
I was going to use an analogy about a restaurant, but maybe I won't. Um, you know, you go into a restaurant and the first thing you do is you whip out the coupon. And so it shows that the only reason why you're there is to get a deal. You're not there to get the value of, of the, the quality of their food. I always say you put out the coupon as you leave the restaurant. You don't put the coupon on out front, right? So it's like when you're shopping real estate agents in today's market, hold the coupon back, show them that you're there for their value. And then really, once you find a good fit and you say, man, look at all the things they're doing for their percentage. Um, and then they will get us a higher percentage because they do more marketing, right? And so you'll have a better experience. And so the idea is put the coupon in at the end. And then- uh, well, I think I think your little coupon thing is is an interesting thing because uh, when we translate that over to real estate, um, if I'm at a re if I'm at a restaurant and I get a coupon and maybe the coupon says, "Hey, you get twenty uh, percent off on the ribs." Well, the ribs are crappy and they don't really do much for you, but you buy the ribs because it's it's cheaper and it's the same thing really. If we're we're talking about um, a realtor and I I can't I, I can't tell you. A, enough how, how correct you are that it's so important now in this market which people think oh no it's easy in this market you know everything's selling so fast no it's not and getting a deal getting them to maximize the deal and then keeping that deal together is so important and it's well worth the money that you're paying well you just, and chris so let's let's do it let's let's give you an analogy so you, you're in the mood for a steak and there's lots of options for steak out there for dinner right are you going to go and get a 45 day dry aged steak down at, you know, Manny's or, you know, Capitol Grill, or are you going to get the steak at your local, you know, um, Sizzler, right? And it, they're both steak. And, and I think the same thing happens to services in our industry is that people are, the people that don't value the difference, and, and don't get me wrong, sometimes there's times where, you know what, that Sizzler steak's going to work just fine. Go, I mean, obviously they're in business, right? So somebody likes that service. But on the other hand, there's a reason why those other restaurants have a three-week waiting list because they're getting more for the dollar. That steak is an experience. That is a you know a whole different league. And, and so where I come back into real estate with that is this. If you're not selling for more because you have an agent and getting better terms because you have an agent, why have an agent? Right. Right? I mean, right now, those agents, some of the things that we're doing, we're getting more money. We're helping get the houses appraised higher. We're guiding through multiple offers where we're getting them the actual best offer. And it's not always price, guys. Sometimes you can have the highest price in the world, but the deal fall, the wheels fall off that bus, you know, down the road 100 yards. Who gives a crap if, if you got a high price because it's not going to close? You want to get the best deal, the best overall, best running um, deal you can find with, with, you know, good wheels on the bus. Yeah. Anyway, I those are my analogies. I talk about uh, transactions and a transaction is being like this. And this is what you're hiring an agent for. But I'll tell you what, what it is, is your transaction is right here. You're paying this agent for all of this experience that leads up to this time for them to be able to put you in the right position to sell. And now we get your house sold and then it's keeping you out of trouble after the fact. And I'm telling you, that's the transaction. But people always think about the money in, in this sort of transaction. Well, so, Chris, think about this too. I mean, the barrier to entry in this industry is, is fairly, in my opinion, very low. There, there's, there's basically you pay for the class, um, you pass two tests and you're out there and you're helping people make the largest financial decision of their lives. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, holy crap, you guys. So when you just grab a random person and say, oh, I like them, they're good enough. I'm like, if you're not, if you're not actually looking at the resumes and looking at, like you said, Chris, how many deals have they done? How many negotiations have they had similar to mine so that I can benefit from that? It's like saying, hey, you know, you've been accused of murder and we're going to give you the, the county prosecutor, no offense. Um, and you say, oh, that's good enough. Or do you yeah. go out and hire the best attorney you can get your hands on so you can keep yourself out of jail? That's what I'm talking about. And you know what I'm saying? And it's same thing goes with real estate, man. Right now, you better be hiring the best attorneys because they are getting the best deals for their clients and getting the deals done. Period. Hey, Andy, let's see how uh, Italy responds here. Let's wait for him to kind of go to the next one. Let's see how close we are to on time. Hello, am I delayed? No. Hey, I'm back. Okay, good, good. Sorry about that. I, I have no idea what's going on. But the, the next um, little segment, Boomer versus Zoomer. So like I'm Generation Z, kind of the cutoff with the millennials. 
You guys are what Gen X boomers. So there's kind of a divide of how we're living. And a lot of people my age are sticking with renting instead of getting into the, the housing market, buying their first home. And I think there's a couple of different reasons. One for me, I like the freedom. I don't like being locked down in one place. Another reason like housing prices are a lot of money for people my age and the money we're um, I want to kind of see like the trade-off and what do you guys think if if this kind of lifestyle is smart or not? Should you buy your first home as soon as you can or is there benefits to renting? Yeah, well, I'll tell you what. I think for a, um, a kid and obviously uh, Nick is my kid and I've uh, kind of went uh, hard on him to, to uh, do that whole football thing overseas um, just to be able to live that kind of life because you're not going to live it again. I mean, if you're going to take advantage as a kid and uh, not try to get locked down so quick, you know, and, and enjoy your time, you can always get into a house and you can make it pretty, pretty fast. Um, I look at myself and I know Andy, you bought a house real early and I did too. I mean, I was 23 years old. Uh, when I purchased mine and I was just going to keep buying, keep buying, keep buying until, um, you know, I got to a point, but I also made a lot of mistakes, you know, and maybe not the greatest investments and it cost me money on there. I think if I would have maybe uh, done exactly what Dick is talking about and maybe not started doing stuff until I was 30, I bet you I would have been a lot different or a lot better um, uh, steward of how I was investing my money. You know, and I, I tell you what, so, so I look at it this way. Um, I, I have never seen anybody on their last day of life sitting there in piles of money saying, oh my God, I'm so glad I made all this money. Mm-hmm. They, what they want to do is they want to talk about their family and their friends and their memories. And in life, I, I, don't, I don't have that scorecard yet figured out either. But on the other hand, from a sheer, you know, should I live a crazy lifestyle of, you know, wintering in Mexico and living in Italy, of course you should, if you can afford it, why wouldn't you? In the meantime, you may actually have situations where, you know, the, uh, the, the young investor, the average family, this is what I worry about with some kids. I don't think you have to take your freedoms away by being a, a homeowner if you're renting the house out, for example. If you see the right opportunity at the right interest rate, like I told my own son this, I said, hey, Right now, the payments are going to probably be the lowest you'll ever see on affordable housing. And, you know, that what happens is with that affordable housing, um, who says that you can't live upstairs and rent out the basement to three other guys and generate enough income to pay that payment for you and still have the freedom, you know, like he's heading out to Yosemite hiking this next week and do all the fun things that life can provide without being tied down. So when it comes down to should you buy young um, I think the timing right now is unusually fantastic for rates. Um, but if you don't have the income to support it, that's a fantasy. And, and I'd leave you with this, Nick. You know, your question is a great question. But let me put it this way. The average family, if it comes back to dollars and cents, right? The average retiring baby boomer right now that's owned a house versus the baby boomer that did not own a house has an average of $360,000 better um, net worth because of that asset. Yeah. That's nationally. Let's let's ask Nick what I mean. You you obviously do it, Nick. And what what do you live on? I mean, to be able to do this. So if we're talking to um, younger people that want to try this, I mean, what does it cost to do what you're doing? It's crazy how inexpensive it really is compared to what you think it is when you travel. Because normally when you travel, you go to a resort for a week and you spend $2,000. But for example, when I was living down in Mexico in Playa del Carmen, uh, eight minute walk to the beach, I was spending about $450 a month on a one bedroom with two balconies, full kitchen, pool in the backyard um, in paradise. Know what I mean? And uh, there's way better, cheaper options you can find too, because the dollar is very powerful. And that's the one thing that really blew my mind about different parts of the world is, the cost of living and just how much opportunity there is in America and how far the dollar goes. Yeah. 
Yeah, I just think, uh, I, I think for younger people, I think it kind of is, is where you're at uh, and, and what you want. But uh, I don't think you, you're, I don't think you're going to totally miss out if you uh, buy a house at 23 or if you're at 30 years old. So, well, you know, the only, the only, I'll leave it with this because I'm obviously pro buy um, and then even hold it and rent it, for example, until your lifestyle simmers down a little bit. You, you may be the one individual that I know that travels his whole life and never settles down and never, you know, calls one place home. But most people do kind of get homesick after a while and want to spend time around their family. I mean, grandma and grandpa are only around for so long. Mom and dad are around for so long. And so family is usually what ties people together. And so having that, that bond for a lot of younger kids um, and having that timing is good. And then, you know, I don't know, I, I, I don't want to be that, that life coach kind of, but I think it's cool that everybody travels and does their thing, but an investment's an investment. If you can find, like your dad puts you onto a deal and you could own a, a, you know, a three bedroom house in Edina and rent it out and cash flow the thing so that when you do decide, hey, you know, I'm going to head home for two years and, and it's sitting there and it's almost paid for because all your buddies are renting it. That'd be cool too. Yeah. Yeah, there's a way to kind of get both, both exactly. A, a big, a big objection people kind of my age have is the cost, because you could get a, a regular job in the factory and afford a nice home that would, you know, become a lot more money in 10, 15 years. But now it seems like you got to have a big down payment, and it's a lot harder with the how no one has a steady job really. It's all every three years we're switching, doing different things. Yeah. You know, you know, in uh, over in Europe, I, I think that there's um, some studies that I looked at years ago, like specifically in like, um, you know, in England, you have where there's, I think, seven families um, that own most of the rental properties in all of England. And, and you're a third or fourth generation renter. And that in America, we have a very unique opportunity to buy property and own it with clear title. And, and nobody can take it from you. And unless you obviously default, but I mean, you know, what's cool, I, I would love to hear from you, Nick, on, on Italy and all these other places you travel to, how, how do they own? How many people do own those properties? And you'll find that um, the American dream is very unique. I think that like you're saying, I mean, if you could rent an apartment for 450 a month, and if it costs you three grand a month to own that same place, why wouldn't you just rent it? But I don't think that's true everywhere. You know, there, there's, I mean, obviously unique. I, I, I got a buddy of mine that lives in Prague and um, they were talking about how you know, they're, um, they, cost of living is so cheap there too. And he goes, I take the train up to, to Rome and, and buy all the fresh olive oils and cheeses. And, you know, and then I come home with all these fresh, cool groceries and, you know, and it's kind of that, I don't know, it's, uh, it's just kind of a neat way to do it. It's just, it's just different. Yeah. But you have a job over there, right, Nick? Yes. I just think I can't speak. I'm just delaying. He does have a job, though. Yes. Yeah, he plays football. Yeah. Yeah, he doesn't pay for too much. So I, I think he's kind of uh, making this sound a hell of a lot better than it really is for people. <laughs> this $400 thing's probably not the case. Well, you know what? Even if it isn't, who cares? It's a good story. I like it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I like Nick, and I, I live vicariously through that guy. Yeah. Well, I hope he, he we got to get that internet figured out there because uh, I we do think in the bigger pipe. We use it, the little pipe. We, uh... <laughs> but, but I think, I mean, I think it's, it's going to be a, a, a dynamic twist to us as well. Um, Nick does runs a, a, his own podcast. I think they've got like 130 some um, episodes already. It's wow. called bold perceptions where they're talking to, people all over the world and, and doing the bold things. So I think we're going to be able to offer a lot uh, with that. And then, uh, you know, one of the other things that uh, we keep uh, hearing and, and being asked for is, um, you know, like stories and uh, what's happened um, before. And I just ran into, uh, actually, every time I, I go show a house, I recall my story. And uh, it's uh, so... Obviously, I got started in 1990 uh, when I first got into the business. And, you know, it, it really, 1990 doesn't sound that far away, but gosh, it's already 31 years, which is crazy. Um, but uh, at that time, 
you know, um, it, it was a lot different in how you're showing houses and how you're getting showing set up and all that kind of stuff. And uh, we'd have to call and then they'd say, yeah, it is. Then they'd give us a lockbox and we'd go, uh, go in because you weren't really looking on the internet at all the houses. And so one time I was previewing a house and I walked in and uh, the music was a little loud, but, you know, people usually put music on to kind of, you know, put the mood, but it was just a little loud. And uh, I'm kind of walking around and uh, I, I approach uh, a certain bedroom and uh, I open the door and whoa, there we go. And so my story is, is that every time I enter a house, I always yell realtor. Yeah, but and, Chris, now you know the anatomy of a female. Yeah, um, totally. It was the such a bonus. Here's the crazy thing. I mean, they're, they're like, you know, they're all, I mean, obviously scrambling, but I'm I'm like, I'm going, oh my God, I'm, I'm the realtor. They said, oh, just a minute, just wait. We'll, we'll, we'll be right out. I'm like, I'm out of here. And I just took off. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, Chris, I could talk for two hours on that. The showing houses, some of the experiences that are out there, we should maybe have our favorite showing um, segment of the show too because there's been so many of those where especially with renters renters have oh, this geez. like i don't care come through the house i'm in the shower i don't care and it's like <laughs> uh oh totally. or we're in the middle of eating dinner and you feel like such a boob walking through their house and they're like well we're having dinner if you want to show the house good for you and it's like uh yeah yeah <laughs> I, I was just in one like that just lately and uh, I'm kind of like, am I in the twilight zone or what? I mean, it's like I wasn't even there. And they're just like having dinner, talking and all of that. And I'm, I'm walking around with my client in a mask. And I'm just like, you got to be kidding me. I mean, it was like, that's, that's another thing. It's probably not best to, uh, it's best to sell your house when no one's there. Uh, versus having dinner and, and talking about things while the, the other agent, the buyers are tiptoeing around them. Because it's really hard to concentrate. So uh, how are the pork chops? Yeah, <laughs> looks good. Can I have some? I did. I said, hey, God, that smells great. And you they want just, all your mashed potatoes? This is exactly what they did. I, I said that and they just, and then started eating again. <laughs> like, uh, okay, I guess not good. A lot of times I just, when I show investors like duplexes, fourplexes, that's super common. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just got to be prepared for it. Yeah, well. You're right. That that's our job too. Saying, hey, when we go into these units, um, sometimes people don't care, and they're yeah. gonna be home, and just yeah. It, anyway, we... but you know, kind of going a full circle here. I, I appreciate um, having Nick on this week, and Nick's gonna try to help organize us for those of you that have watched the show in the past. So that's Nick's role is to help us stay on task. I think the best thing we can do is get him a little quicker connection here, and then um, so he can keep up with us too. Uh, you know, microphone hogging guys. Is, how was that again? How big is the cable? We're going to go with the little pipe, not the bigger pipe. We <laughs> and we're going to get it all back up on. <laughs> we're going to get on all streaming platforms again, and do some clips and everything. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So people can follow us on, uh, you know, Instagram and Facebook, and we're going to kind of do some, uh, some fun things and keep it going here. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, I'll tell you what, we're just about there. Do we have anything else to end the show off or are we good? I think we're good until next week. Chris, no, no, no. Don't you want to promote your model home or some business? Oh, that's what I'm supposed to do. Oh, my god. This gosh. is a promotional thing, Chris. We Yes. Uh, our, our Parade of Homes uh, model is actually unable to be shown uh, during the parade, but we do have... Um, Eight lots left in, in Reverence. It's a luxury uh, neighborhood just outside of Credit River, right by Territory and Heritage Links Golf Club. Uh, price points are anywhere from 215000 to four fifty, And the houses kind of range in that $1.3 to $3 million range. So uh, you, you, get, uh, you get a bigger bathroom than you get in Italy when you come to Reverence. What's the internet connection like there, Chris? The inter we got big pipe. Big pipe. The bigger pipe. We, uh... we got big pipe. Yeah, we got there's fiber optics in this neighborhood, so it's awesome. Wow. Yeah. That's impressive. Yeah, the yeah. uh so I'll, I'll be quick. We've got uh obviously you guys were this time of the year prayed homes. Um got a bunch of new listings coming on. Prasky.com is a, a great way to find what I'm up to. Um Saturday we're having a wine and cheese party at one of our new models over in the Hugo market. 
Um, come on over, get sauced up, uh, eat some cheese, and write a deal. Um, Andy, Andy, you've guys have you've done those uh, throughout the parade. How have yeah. they gone? You know what's funny is it. It again, it, people just don't know. Should I um, walk up and we have individual little bottles, you know, so they're not the, oh, the yeah. top. We used to actually buy really nice wine and let people sample and have fun. Now we just have the nice little bottles all lined up. We have individual wrapped little cheeses and all kinds of fun stuff. So it's a lot of grab and go. But the idea there is that we have a lot of the vendors, um, the builders sometimes yeah. is there, sometimes different suppliers to the to the job sites there. So it's kind of fun because you can ask that like next level question, yeah. even if you're remodeling or whatever, you say, hey, what about fireplaces? Why, why would I do electric or why would I do gas? And you have the fireplace person there. It's kind of fun. Um, I think, you know, because they, they just bring a completely different level of knowledge. Um, you know, you could talk fireplace with somebody for two hours. Right. Right. So kind of fun. So that'll be on my website as well. Um, or if you follow us on social media, both of us are, you know, just type in Prasky and you'll find me on all the different. And did you guys see my shirt, by the way? Uh, yes. Is that a real drink? <laughs> I don't think so. I think that was a, it was the Tom Brady one. He was playing off of it. To be funny. Yeah. Weird and enough, it, all of a sudden you're going to find avocado tequila everywhere, right? Yeah, you probably will. Someone will take advantage of it. So. Can you imagine creamy tequila? Hey, it's just like having nachos with some tequila. But it's liquid. That's that's as American as you can get right Chris, there. how many times have you had shots of tequila where you did not jump on the table with your shirt off? Um, and tequila is nasty you gotta be careful that stuff is straight rocket fuel to the brain yeah i had a break of from tequila from 1988 till 2013 so it was say a, from 88 to 88 and a half no it was a good run it was a good run and that's and i used to bartend and i had to hold it way out here because i couldn't even smell it so well how about Fun all those hand sanitizers now that smell like tequila what the heck hey let's see if the italian stallion can close us out here if he's oh, on track yeah, let's see what he has right. to say. Uh, it was a time even with all the, the problems. So hopefully you get those figured out. Yeah, it was. Can you hear me? Okay. <laughs> it still is. I'm pretty sure he's saying that we're great and that he <laughs> yeah. really likes us. He is. He's saying he can't believe he's on screen with us like this, Andy. And he's yeah. so excited about it. I think it's the he, coolest ever, Chris. I feel like there's a before and after picture with you, too. He's actually thinking of quitting football over there and just coming back so he can be right on time with us. That's what I think he said. Fun. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, hey, great right. show. We'll, uh, we'll be back next week, 8 a.m., Facebook Live, and then find us on all the other uh, sites for okay. everything. See ya.